Lord. The word for us today is come. Code, come, C-O-M-E. Come to the throne of grace so you can obtain mercy and find help in the time of need. Come to where you are in Christ Jesus before the throne of grace in the blood. Holy before God Almighty, sons of the Most High God. Come to him today and come also with the redeemed, with the heavenly host, with the angels, with the elders, everything that exists with creation. Come, now is the time to worship. Hallelujah. Invitation to rejoice in the God of our salvation. Hallelujah. Now, today is the time to give your heart. If you have not known Jesus Christ as Savior, now the invitation is open to come and receive him as Lord and become a part of the family of God. Hallelujah. Come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give your Just as you are to worship, come. Just as you are before your God, come. Hallelujah. One day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those. Choose you now. Come, come. Now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. Come. Just as you are before your God. Come. Come. Willingly we choose. Willingly we choose to surrender our lives. Willingly our knees will bow. With all our hearts, all our mind and strength, we gladly choose you now. Come. Now is the time to worship. Come. Now is the time to give your heart. Come. Just as you are to worship. Come. Just as you are before your God. Open. Come, just as you are. Come, hallelujah. With open arms, they receive you. Come, hallelujah. Hallelujah, it's so simple. Say, Jesus, you are my Savior and Lord. I choose you today. Save me and thank you for making me a child of God. Hallelujah. Thank you for the blood makes for us an open entrance, hallelujah. The crimson love, price of life's demand. 
the shameful sin placed on you, Jesus. You are the hope of every man. We love you, Jesus.
Yes, the blood, it is my victory. What a sacrifice. What a sacrifice that saved my life. Yes, the blood, it is my victory. You are the word in the beginning and now and forever. You are the word. Hallelujah. 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 We exalt you, Jesus. The word you are with us. Hallelujah. You are here.
powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Exalt your name in this place, Lord Jesus. Soon coming King of Glory, we exalt your name in the church this morning. You're coming to a glorious church. We give you praise and honor. Let's prophesy what's going to happen. Jesus is returning. Amen. I see the King of glory coming on the clouds with fire. The whole earth shakes. The whole earth shakes. I see His love and mercy. Washing over all our sin, the people sing, the people sing, Hosanna, Hosanna. I see a generation rising up to take their place with selfless faith, with selfless faith. Glory to God. I see a new Open our eyes, open our eyes to the things. 
are God who hears, and to you who dwell in light and approachable, our Father, in Christ Jesus we call Hosanna. Hosanna, Lord. Here I hasten the day of Jesus' return. Hallelujah with heaven. Hallelujah. For Lord, Lord God Almighty, you reign in our midst this morning and all over the church. Are you Lord? 
That in the ages to come, God will, through us, we will be the very demonstration of the great goodness and kindness of God. For when they see us in the ages to come, we will be that living manifestation of just how good God is. And it's all because of the lamb that was slain. It is all because of his blood that was shed. It was all because he paid the ultimate price, went into the very bowels of hell, suffered the wrath of God, suffered the punishment for us so that we might be redeemed so that we might be restored to what God had intended from before the foundation of the world. So that by the blood of his cross, we are just as if sin had never occurred. Just as if sin has never been. Just as if we have never done anything wrong. Justified because of the blood of the Lamb. Oh, Father God Almighty, we thank you. Jesus, we worship you. We bless you. You are worthy to be praised and worthy to receive glory, power, majesty, honor, and dominion. We bless your name. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We receive your goodness. We receive your sacrifice. 
we receive your work of redemption. Oh, we thank you. We thank you. We accept that we are now everything that you intended for us to be. We are everything you raised us up to. We are everything that you shed your blood and you were sacrificed for us to be. We accept. We accept. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's have a seat. Praise God forevermore. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Welcome to everyone here and everyone online. Praise God. We are thankful that you are able to worship with us today and that you are positioned by the Spirit of God to receive the Word of God. Amen. I believe that you will be abundantly blessed. Hallelujah. Now, the Word of God says that we are workers together with Christ. We are workers together with Christ. In other words, we are, we are, we are, we, yes, we are children of God. Yes, we are born again. But we are in a partnership with God. A partnership with God for him to accomplish all of his good objectives. And I'm sharing this with you to encourage you to give financially, but you are in partnership with God. In other words, God's assignment is your assignment, and God's assignment is that this gospel of the kingdom would be taken to the uttermost parts of the earth, and you are partner with that. That's the burden of your heart. You want to see the lost saved. You want to see the truth of the gospel to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so you are in partnership with God to that end. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you, in your giving, you are giving an expression to say, Lord, I am with you. I'm, I'm your partner. You can count on me. I'm going to support this gospel financially so that this truth can go to the uttermost parts of the earth. So that people can be saved. So that believers could be more established in the truth. So you are partnering with God, but you are also partnering with us. You're partnering with us because you are enabling us to take what God has assigned us to do to the uttermost parts of the earth, which is what? Which is the revelation and the application of the sacrifice of Christ. The gospel is about the sacrifice of Christ. So you are partnering with us to take the truth of the revelation of the, of the sacrifice and its application to the lives of people. That's one element of what we are assigned to do. The second element is righteousness. You are partnering with us to take the truth of the revelation and the application of righteousness to people and to believers all across this globe. So you are partnering with God and you are partnering with us. So I just want you to know that that's what you're doing. So your giving means something. Your giving is for a purpose. Amen. There are a number of ways you can give. That information is on the screen. You can give by email. You can use PayPal. You can use check. Whatever it is. But you be a part of what God is doing by expressing. By not just in word, but in deed. So give as unto the Lord. Give because you favor God's righteous cause. And I believe that as you partner with God, God is also partnering with you. 
He delights in your prosperity. We are also partnering with you. And we release our faith that even as you partake, participate in the distribution of this message, that even so you're also going to participate in whatever grace and an anointing that the Lord has placed upon us. Amen? So, Father, I pray for every single one, Lord, that is giving, giving from their heart, giving in obedience to your spirit, giving, giving because they have purpose to give, giving because they, catch, they can see the vision, they recognize the commission, they recognize this responsibility to be in partnership with you, to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. They recognize their invitation and they're saying yes to partnering with us to take this truth about the sacrifice of Christ and the revelation of righteousness and their application all across this to the ends of the earth. So I thank you, Lord, for them. And I pray a blessing for them. I thank you for those that have been giving in the past that are continuing to give and those that are now getting on board and saying, yes, I want to be part of this. Father, in blessing, bless them. In multiplying, multiply them. Lord, cause the seeds that they sow to come back to them multiplied in the name of Jesus. Increase the fruits of their righteousness, Father. Do it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we give you thanks. Thanks for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. You are the God of increase. You are the God of multiplication. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Amen? And we say so. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Father, we thank you right now for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that teaches us all things, leads us and guides us into all truth. Anoint our eyes, anoint our ears, anoint our heart so that we can hear, we can see, we can believe, we can receive. And Father, that this word would prosper in the life of each and every single one in Jesus' name. It shall not return void, but it shall accomplish that which you please in their lives in our lives, in Jesus' name. Thank you, in the name of Jesus. Amen? All right, glory to God. Purpose, eternal life, righteousness, part four. And today, healing and divine health. Now, I am pretty well, I'm going to almost read this first part of my message so I can get through it relatively quickly and so that I can get to where I believe the emphasis needs to be today. But I'm going to read it almost, almost verbatim so that I can get through it quickly. Amen? Amen. Thank God for speed. Supernatural divine speed, both in speaking and in hearing. All right. So what is the purpose of your life? The message is purpose, eternal life, and righteousness. And, and coming out of it today, healing and divine health. What is the purpose of your life? Well, Let's ask it this way. Why were you born? Why were you born? Why do you exist? Well, you are to be to the praise of the glory of God. You are representative. You are God's representative here on earth. You are his ambassador representing Christ and representing the kingdom of God. You are his mouthpiece. You are his hands. You are his feet. You are to help facilitate the will of God to be done on earth 
according as it is in heaven. You are a facilitator to that end. The entirety of your life, the entirety of your life is for the will of God. And let me just inject this. When you are in line with purpose, all things work together for good. The entirety of your life is for the will of God. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 says, I pray above all else that, that you would be sanctified, that you would be sanctified holy in your whole spirit, in your whole soul, and in your whole body will be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. In other words, that every part of your being, your spirit, and every part of your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, even your memory, and every part of your body will be sanctified, set apart to the will of God for God's use and purpose. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says that for every one of us, we were all crucified with Christ. You died with Christ. You died with Christ. And when so in that, the love of Christ constrains us. And this is what we judge. That when Jesus died for all, then all died. You died with Christ. But now that you are born again and you are alive, you ought to live for him that died for you. That's simple. You are alive. If you're born again, then you are alive unto God. You are alive unto righteousness. Well, the fact that you are alive and you've got eternal life and the nature of God and the spirit of God breathing on the inside of you and you do have this life, you ought to live for him that died so that you can have that life. This is what we're talking about, purpose, purpose. Why are you here? Why do you exist? Now, how is all of this going to become possible? How is it going to become possible that you can so live for the will of God, be his vehicle, be his voice, be his mouthpiece, be his hands, be his feet, be his ambassadors, be abandoned to him, spirit, soul, and body? How is this all possible? It's not by your might, it's not by your power, and it's not by, but it is by the Holy Spirit is what the Word of God says. In other words, it is the Spirit of God that is going to work in you both to will and to do these things. It is by the grace of God that this is going to be done. But on your part, there is an element of commitment. When you were born again, as again, how is this going to be done? When you were born again, Jesus took up residence on the inside of you. He moved in to your house, and he made you his house. Galatians 2.20 says, you were crucified with Christ. And it is no longer you that live, but it is Christ that liveth in you. This is what happened when you got born again. And this life that you now live in this flesh is the life of Christ. And you live it by the faith of the Son of God. So how is this going to be done? It's going to be done now that you are born again with Christ living in you and living through you. You were born again for Christ to live in you. And for Christ to live through you. Now when you are aligned with the purpose of God. So because of that. It is necessary that you be aligned with the purpose of God. You be aligned in that this is why I'm here. It is for him, Christ to live in me. And to live through me. Because that's the only way it can be done. You can't do it. It is Christ that is in you. That is able to walk in this uprightness before God. You must be aligned with the purpose of God. The life in your spirit is the life of Christ, which is eternal life. 
And you've got to be aligned with that life that is in your spirit, that life of Christ, that eternal life. So alignment with his purpose, alignment with that life, that eternal life. Now, to live and function in oneness with Christ, that's what righteousness is. To live in this oneness with Christ and to function here. It's no longer me, but it's Christ living in me. It's Christ living in me. It's Christ living through me. To function in that oneness, that is the very essence of righteousness. So, again, you must be aligned with righteousness. Christ living through you. So it's Christ in you, but it's Christ living through you, and that's what it's all about. The whole message that we've been sharing over these last couple of weeks, this entire series, it's about the purpose of God being fulfilled in your life. Both in a general sense, but also um, in the general sense as a Christian, so to speak, but also in a personal way, specifically. All right, now, uh, I, I, I'm going to say specific in the sense that, okay, you may, be able, you may be called by God to serve in some particular capacity, in some particular occupation, or whatever the case might be. Now, here is the thing, because many times believers get caught up in, I don't know why I'm here, I don't know what's, what's the call of God in my life, and they get all tangled up over the call of God in their life. But may I say this to you, if you will go after God's general will and do so faithfully, his personal and specific will for you will find you. In other words, you don't have to sweat over, well, what, 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 what exactly is God's specific personal will for my life? If God speaks to you and you know it, fine, great. For me, it's easy. I'm a teacher. I know that. But the point is, if I did not know that, if I did not know what my specific will is, what's personal, I can still, I can go after that general will of God, abandon myself to him, submit to, to, his, to the fact that I'm not my own, submit and let that eternal life and the life of Christ function in me and through me, function in that oneness. And as I do that, as I pursue that general will of God, he would just automatically guide you into, in, into your personal will. In other words, that is why I, I particularly like this phrase. You serve God faithfully in, in, in what we might call the general will and God's personal specific will for you it will find you you don't have to search for it it will search for you and it will find you does that make sense that's a very deep powerful truth amen it is glory to god anyway <laughs> moving right along so christ in you is that eternal life christ living through you is functioning in righteousness and oneness so in summary as we ask him the question about this, about purpose and, and, and so on, the purpose of God is for you to be established in eternal life and righteousness. All right? Now, that's a long little trip, but at the end of the day, what is the purpose of God? Yes, it's this abandonment. It is Christ living in you and through you. This purpose, the purpose of God is, is simply this, is for you to be established in eternal life, the life of Christ, and to be established in righteousness, which is our oneness, all right? Okay, now, Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
I've shared with you before, and I'm going to share it again. One time back in 2015, was it? 2015, um, I had taken my car to the garage to get some to get a routine oil change. The, the, the mechanic came back and said, I found whatever it is what was wrong with your car, and, um, and, and he fixed it. Wonderful, great. Charge me for it. Well, okay. <laughs> but anyway, and later on, later on that evening, we were driving, going down the radio street, going to church, and, and, and I had a conversation with my wife, and the Lord said to me, there is a place where you can live, and if you learn to function here, there are things that you won't even have to pray for, they're just going to take place. Just like I never was concerned about whatever it is was wrong with my car, but that, that, that mechanic just said, hey, this was wrong, I fixed it. Well, God was saying there's a place where you can live, and if you learn to live here, there are things you won't even have to pray about. It's just going to happen. What is he talking about? Matthew 6, verse 33 says, in Matthew chapter 6, it says, don't be concerned about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, about this. Don't be concerned about all these things. Just go after the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things that I'm telling you, you don't even have to pray about, they're just going to be added on to you. Amen? So the, the lesson here is, go after righteousness. And quite frankly, when it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, let me say this. It says in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, that the very essence of the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but the essence of the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost that flows out of it. In other words then, in other words then, seek, go after righteousness, and there are things you won't even have to pray about. They're just going to be added on to you. Now, those things that are going to be added on to you as you pursue righteousness includes healing and divine help. Healing and divine help. You know, I've had this thought, and I don't know if, anyway, I'm just going to inject it here. I'm going to inject it here. I, I, I pray it's not premature, but I'll develop it another time. But you know, quite often we make a mistake when it comes to believing God for healing. We pray, we believe God for healing, hands are laid upon us, and then after, and once that's done, we look, we look to see if we have manifestation. And in other words, we determine whether we heal or not based on where it shows up. Sounds nice, but it's absolutely, anyway, it's, it's not accurate. In other words, then, whether I'm healed or not, being dependent on what I see, that is carnal and that's not how it is. I need to recognize that by his stripes I am healed. And by recognizing that and believing that and my, my eyes fixed on that, it will manifest. What am I saying? What does that have to do with this? Similarly, when you, you know, if you decide that I'm just going to go after living in oneness with God in Christ, I'm just going to go after this righteousness, functioning in this authority, knowing what my rights are, being free from condemnation and guilt and shame, being in right standing. If I would just go after righteousness and pursue righteousness, there might be an issue in my body where there's some healing needed. But I could literally, now hear me now, I could literally ignore what's going on in my body, fix my mind, and fix my eyes, set my affections, and my pursuit on righteousness, and somewhere along the line, I'm going to look around and recognize that that infirmity, that illness has gone. Amen? Now, that's a, a, it's a deep, but it's a powerful secret. But I'll just leave that with you for now. <laughs> I am going to develop that another time, but it's I'm telling you, I, anyway, glory to God, hallelujah. So anyway, the point is this, 
You go after righteousness, and these things will be added onto you that you don't even have to pray about. And these things include healing and wholeness. Is this going to be all right? Now, eternal life in you is the life of Christ that is in you. And that life of Christ that is in you is the nature of God. That eternal life is the nature of God. Now, all things are yours in Christ. When God gave you Jesus, he also gave you all things. Romans 8.32. So you have got everything in Christ, in this eternal life. You've got everything that pertain unto life and godliness. 2 Peter 1 verse 3. And then it goes on to say, Therefore, he's given you great and precious promises that with these promises you could partake of his divine nature. You can take the part of the divine nature that you need, which might be healing and wholeness. Let me repeat that. Because what I'm trying to show you is just that you go after righteousness, healing, and divine health comes with it without even praying about it. Similarly, if you go after functioning in that eternal life, healing and divine health comes with it. Why can I say that? Well, this divine life, this, this, this eternal life is the life of Christ. It's the nature of God. And that life of Christ that is in you, when God gave you Jesus, with him came what? All things, including healing and divine health. Inside your born-again spirit, you have this eternal life. Well, guess what? In that eternal life, 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, you have received all things that pertain unto life and godliness. That includes divine health. And then it goes on to say, because that is the case, verse 4 says, wherefore, because of that, God says, here are these great and precious promises. So that with these promises, you can take whatever it is that is in the divine nature that you have need of, including healing and divine health. So the promise is you can go into the divine nature inside your spirit, Christ that is inside your spirit, and pull out the healing and the divine nature. Does that make sense? What am I saying? I'm saying in eternal life of God that is in you is all of the healing and divine health that you could ever need. Amen? Man, that's powerful. In other words, <laughs> you know, like... If I want the seeds of the watermelon, just give me the whole watermelon. I'll get the seeds out myself. Get my point? <laughs> Go after the righteousness and healing comes. Go after eternal life and healing comes. And divine health too. All right, moving right along. But nevertheless, having said all of that, in today's message, what we are talking about is functioning in purpose in eternal life and righteousness in such a way that you are able to draw out the healing and the divine health. Where? Out of your spirit. 24 hours a day. Back up again. What are we talking about? We are talking about functioning in the purpose, which is the eternal life and righteousness, Functioning in it in such a way that you are able to draw out the healing and the divine health from where it is in your spirit, in Christ, in eternal life, 
hooked up with righteousness, you are able to draw it out 24 hours a day and keep it flowing. Are you with me? All right. So, we have Philippians 2 verse 12 and 13 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, the word salvation is the Greek word soteria, which means healing, wholeness, prosperity, and all of that. So it says, work it out. Draw out that healing, that wholeness, that preservation, that divine health. Work out your healing and wholeness with fear and trembling. With a, there is a diligence involved there. And then it goes on to say in the next verse that while you are doing that, drawing it out with fear and trembling, verse 13 says, the Holy Ghost, he is at work within you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. In other words, he is at work within you, giving you the desire, giving you the motivation, but also giving you the grace for accomplishment. So you and the Holy Ghost are working together. I'm working it out. He's working it in. And he's working it through. However you want to see it. But anyway, that's the word of God. I'm but you got to learn how to do this. And if it's working 24 hours a day, guess what? Divine hell becomes your inheritance. Or rather, your testimony. It's already your inheritance. But you need it to be, become your testimony. All right. Now, let's go a little bit further. <laughs> Amen. I think I'm enjoying this for some reason. I don't know. I, I, I feel a patience in teaching this here today that is, ooh, man. I, I generally, I'm in a rush, but I don't feel rushed. The time is still what it is. But I, oh, gosh, Baba. Oh, glory to God. The Holy Ghost is here. Hallelujah. All right. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2 and 3 says, Behold, God is my salvation. He is my healing. He is my health. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yahweh, the Lord, is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. And remember, salvation includes healing, wholeness, preservation, and all of that. He has become my healing, my divine health. Therefore, whenever you see a therefore, you need to ask yourself, what it is there for? And quite often, the reason the therefore why is, what is it there for? It is quite often there because of what came before. Isn't that neat? Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> so God says, so he has become my salvation, my healing, my wholeness. Therefore, with joy will I draw water from the wells of salvation. Inside of your spirit is all of the healing power of God in your spirit. All the wholeness that you could ever need, it's inside Christ. It's inside that eternal life and it is inside your spirit. But you got to draw it out. Amen? All right. All right. We still on this? Let's continue. 24 hours a day. Say 24 hours a day. Amen. So we have Romans chapter 8 verse 10 which says, the body is dead because of sin but your spirit is life. What life? Eternal life. The life of Christ. It is life because of righteousness. Your spirit has the life of Christ because of its union with Christ. Because of the oneness with Christ. The vine, the branch is hooked up to the vine and the branch has the same sap 
as the vine because it's one with the vine. So your spirit has life because of righteousness, that oneness. And then the next verse, verse 11 says, And if the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, he shall also quicken your mortal body. He shall also revitalize your mortal body. He shall also heal your mortal body. He is going to pull out that healing out of your spirit and distribute it in your joints, in your, in, in, through your marrow, in your bones, in your cells, in your organs, throughout your body. That's how this stuff works. Are you with me? All right. So, and all I was saying there was what? These things shall be added unto you. And, 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 but we want to, we're just taking a little bit of a focus on, on this. If we align with purpose, which is that eternal life and that righteousness, then if we would do that in such a way to enable the healing and the divine help to flow 24 hours a day, that we might be able to draw it out 24 hours a day, all right, continually, all right, all right, next, next shift. Now, I don't know about you, but the chances are you want to know, well, all right, give me some more, give me some more, give me some more, I need to know how to do this stuff. How do you draw out this healing and divine health out of your spirit? And have it flow continually. Okay, this is all nice what you're saying. But give me some how-to. Give me one, two, three. How do I draw it out and keep it flowing continually? All right. I'm going to give you three things. Three things that you need to know. That means three things you need to know, understand, embrace, and be one with even. Number one. Alright, let me put it two ways. Number one, develop a conscious awareness of being aligned with purpose and the fact that you have eternal life and that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's number one. You must develop that conscious awareness that you are, that you have eternal life and that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Again, without developing that consciousness, the train has not left the station. You understand that statement? The train has not left the station. You're not going to get to the destination. But that's, in, that's number one. You've got to develop the conscious awareness of being aligned with purpose and the fact that you have eternal life and that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Number two. The next thing you need to know is that you must develop your faith for healing and divine health that is based on your relationship with purpose, eternal life, and righteousness. You've got to develop your faith for healing and divine health, and it, must, and it needs to be based on this purpose, which is your abandonment to God and his will, and eternal life, the life of Christ that is in you, and righteousness. In other words, you need to find out what does the word of God say about my healing and living in divine health, and especially from the perspective of purpose, 
the eternal life that is in my spirit and righteousness. All right? That's the second point. That is the second thing you need to know. How do you develop your faith? Your faith, all right, in that area. Number three, and I believe this is the most important. This is the most important. How you keep the law of the spirit of life in Christ working. Romans 8 verse 2 says, The law of the spirit of life in Christ makes you free from the law of sin and death and sickness and disease. Now, I add sickness and disease. Why? Because sickness and disease is connected to the law of sin and death. All right? Now, the law of the spirit of life in Christ makes you free from the law of sin and death and sickness and disease. It's not that the law of sin and death and sickness and disease ceases to exist. No, it's not that it ceases to exist, but you are able to rise above it by the law of the spirit of life in Christ. It's like gravity. You can fly an airplane that weighs several tons, but it's not because gravity ceases to be, but rather because you are able to operate on the law of aerodynamics and so on, and you're able to take that plane way up there if you could get it up to the right speed. Amen? Are you with me? So that's what we're talking about. So the final, the third point, which is the most important, is learning how to activate the law of the spirit of life, the law that governs that spirit and that life that is in your spirit. And to be able to, so that, uh, uh, um, uh, learning to do that. Okay, fine. All right. So let's back up, but that's where I want to end up. Glory to God. So let's back up now and see. So how do you develop the conscious awareness of purpose, eternal life, and righteousness? Now, I'm going to say this. Go back to last week's message, which was part three of purpose, eternal life, and righteousness, and, you can, and, you'll, and, and listen to it, okay? Now, that being said, let me give, briefly give you four keys. It comes from last week. I might put a few things differently, but let me give you four keys how you can develop that conscious awareness. Now, why do we need to? Now, the Word of God says the problem with many believers, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 34, it says, awake to righteousness and sin not. In other words, awake, have a conscious awareness that you are righteous. Now, why would Paul write that? Because many believers don't have that consciousness of being righteous and being in right standing and being free from condemnation and guilt and shame and, and having the authority of Jesus and all that righteousness um, affords and is. So he says, awake to righteousness. In other words, then, become conscious and aware of it. Why? Because many believers don't. So you need to develop that. Secondly, it says in First John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. Well, why would John say that? Right? They believe in the name of the Son of God. That means they're born again. But he says, I'm writing these things to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know, that you might be aware that you have eternal life. Could it be because, yes, they were born again, tongue-talking, but they weren't aware. They didn't have that consciousness. Are you with me? And that's why I'm saying that before, without developing the consciousness of, of, of the fact that you have got the life of Christ in you, that you've got eternal life on the inside of you, and you're the righteousness of God. If you do not develop that consciousness, I don't mean to be unkind, but I got to tell you the truth. If you don't develop that consciousness, the train hasn't left the station. 
Yes, you can get healed because somebody lay hands on you and so on and so forth. But to maintain it is a different thing altogether. All right? You have got to develop that. Okay. So very quickly, in a nutshell, let me give you four keys by which you can develop it. Number one, meditation. Gather the scriptures that are related to purpose, eternal life, and righteousness, and meditate in them. What do you mean meditate? Study them, consider them, ponder them, devise them, plan them. Like, oh, just think about how that scripture will work. I mean, make some plans. You know what I mean? The way you plan a script. <laughs> Mutter it. Under your breath, by his stripes I am healed. Mutter the breath of God. Utter it. By his stripes I am healed. Growl it. By his stripes I am healed. Roar it. By his stripes I am healed. You get my point? Imagine it. Envision it. See yourself healed. Use your imagination. Kashatakaba. I am the healed of the Lord. Use your imagination. Meditate in the purpose. Meditate uh, on the scriptures that relate to righteousness and eternal life. Now, imagination, I'm going to pause here a little bit. Imagination is when you can see with your mind what you can see with your physical eyes. When you can see with your mind what you can see with your physical eyes. Now, let me just deal with this right now. One of the reasons why people are hesitant believers from getting into this arena of using their imagination is because we've been wrongly taught that somehow imagination is for little kids and they're living in some fantasy world. Well, you better get into that fantasy world with them. <laughs> because the, scriptures, the Bible says you better become like little children. Right, transmental meditation. But you're not, we're not talking about some new age stuff. The new age people try to steal this stuff. But we are talking about meditating on the word of God. This book of the law shall not depart of your mouth. Using your imagination. Now I'm going to teach you that I believe on the 10th of December in, in, uh, with a focus. But for right now, imagination is when you can see with your mind what you can see with your physical eyes. When your imagination, now that is why God says in Habakkuk chapter 2, I will sit upon my watch until I can see what he says. It's not enough for me to hear what he says. I need to see what he says. In other words, I'm, his words must create an image in my mind. If the word says, by his stripes I'm healed, then that must create that image in my mind. If, and even though I might be in a wheelchair, I must begin to see, yep, I'm healed. If that word declares strength, I might be feeling weak, but I begin to see myself strong. In other words, it is not just that you hear, I will sit upon my watch until I can see what he says. Let me move on. When your imagination is positive and it's based on the word of God and the promises, it is called hope. In the Old Testament, quite often the imagination was quite often referring to ungodly people that weren't born again and their imagination was all over the place. But in the New Testament, the word, the imagination is the same thing. It's seeing the unseen. 
It is seeing in, with the mind what you can't see with your physical eyes. It's seeing what might not be necessarily present by using your mind. But in the New Testament, it's, it's called hope. Hope because it's positive. It's like the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. It says that hope that is seen is not, is not, is not something, something about, about, about being saved by hope. It says about the rejoicing of hope. It says about the full assurance of hope. So hope in the New Testament has to, is, a posit, is the same imagination, except that it's positive. And that's because it's based on the word of God. Now, faith is the substance of what? Of things hoped for. In other words, hope says, faith, this is where you need to go. And if faith does not have a target, then you might shoot yourself in the foot. Does that make sense? All right. So you are to use your imagination to meditate on God's word. Those group of scriptures that you gather together and picture the word coming to pass. Man, I wish I knew this years ago. I would have been so far ahead. But thank God I know it now. Check, out, check me out in a couple of years. <laughs> right? Hey Amen. I'm serious. I am so serious. Okay. So you use your imagination to meditate on God's word and picture the word coming to pass. Your imagination is like your spiritual womb where conception takes place. You can't have a baby without conception. You're, that's why I said without meditation or rather without, anyway, with, 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 that's why I said if you don't begin to at least develop that conscious awareness, the train hasn't left the station. Anyway, your imagination takes... Okay, let me get back here. Your imagination is your spiritual womb where conception takes place. Your imagination takes the seed of the Word of God, the sperm of God's Word, so to speak, and plants it in the womb of your spirit. And then conception takes place and over a period of time, nine months, I don't know how long, faith gives it substance and birth. So faith gives it birth. Faith gives it substance. Faith gives it the materiality. But you've got to have conception, and that takes place in the imagination. Are you with me? Which is hope, positive imagination. No hope, you can forget the faith. Faith got nothing to work with. It's just wishful thinking. Well, uh, anyway, let's move on. So, no conception, no birth. No imagination, no manifestation. No baby. You have to see it before you can have it. Sit upon the wall until you can see what he says. And then when you can see what he says and you form that mental image... And that thing begins to solidify, it becomes a vision. And where there is no vision, the people perish. But when there is a vision, provision will come to bring fulfillment to the vision. Amen? All right. So faith is a substance of what? Things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Imagination is means by which you can see what is not seen. Faith is the substance. Faith. So, so hope is the dance partner of faith. So you must meditate and you must use your imagination. 
Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 4, 23, in the good, good, good news version says, Be careful how you think, because your thoughts will shape your life. Amen? So, four, four keys to develop this conscious awareness. Number one, meditation. All right? And of course, meditation is, is, is and you got to have the scriptures, you meditate on it, and so on. And then, and, uh, and, uh, and, but I spent some time in the med- imagination part. And then number two, pray the word. We talked about it last week. You could go back and check, listen to the tape. Number three, confess the word. Speak it, speak it. And then number four, take communion over those scriptures from time to time. Amen? All right. Okay, now, so this brings us to this point. Developing, remember I said there are three things. There are three things that you need to do in order to, to do what? In order to um, draw out that healing and that divine health out of your spirit. And have it flow continually. Three things. Number one was, was uh, meditation. Right? Where am I here? Okay. Okay, 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 okay. I was just talking about how to develop that consciousness. Okay, now let's talk about developing your faith for healing and divine health. Glory to God. Based on your connection to purpose, eternal life, and righteousness. Okay, number one. Start believing and declaring. This is where it's a good Start believing and declaring, I have a right to healing and divine health because I'm aligned with purpose. You better start there. This is that I'm aligned with purpose. I'm living for God. I'm living for God. I therefore have a right to healing and divine health because I'm aligned with purpose. And my body, now listen to this, my body is the temple of God. And God is to be glorified in my body. Isn't that right? Okay. Secondly, I have a right to healing. These are declarations you got to make. I have a right to healing and divine health. Why? Because the life of Christ is now in my spirit. I have eternal life. The nature of God is in my spirit. I am blessed with healing and divine health. I got this. Number three, I have a right to healing and divine health because I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And I live unto righteousness, with which comes by Jesus' stripes I were healed. Healing is my daily bread. Got it? So, how do you develop your faith for this healing and divine health that is based on, uh, on the purpose, eternal life, and righteousness? Make some declarations. Believe and declare these things regarding purpose, regarding eternal life, regarding righteousness, and its connection to healing. All right? Okay. Number two, gather and build healing scriptures and promises into your heart. Get these healing scriptures and build them into your heart. How? By meditating on them. By meditating on them. By confessing them. By praying over them. I mean, you find a scripture that where it says, the Lord says, I will heal, I will heal your diseases, and I will heal your wounds. Put it in prayer. I can quote it. 
I can, de- I can memorize it. I can declare that God says he heals me. He heals all my diseases. He heals my broken heart. He heals my... I can do that, but I can also pray. I can also go in prayer, and I can say, oh, Father God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that this is your word. I want to thank you. You heal all of my diseases. And even if I'm wounded somewhere within my soul, I've been hurt. Oh, I thank you. You said you're going to heal those wounds. I thank you. In other words, you can, you can confess that. You can meditate that. And I like going in the presence of God with those verses of Scripture in prayer. Because there is something that happens in the presence of God where God will take what you are confessing that agree with his word. And he's going to literally iron it or press it into your soul. And help you get to that place where it's engrafted quicker. Does that make sense? All right. So, gather and build healing scriptures and promises into your heart by meditating, by confessing, and by prayer. Knowing that by the authority of the sacrifice of Christ and the word of God, the word of God and the promises of God, they belong to you. In other words, I'm doing this and I know the promises are yes and amen. I know they belong to me. I know they're part of my inheritance. You, you follow me? This stuff belongs to me. I know what is mine. Okay. Now, let me just give you a couple of, idea, a couple of scriptures. For instance, Isaiah 33, verse 24. Isaiah 33, verse 24. Let me read that correctly. It says, the inhabitants. I love this scripture. It says, the inhabitants will say. Oh, okay, sorry. The inhabitants will not say, I am sick. Isaiah 33, verse 24. Man. You know, for years, I didn't even know that verse was in the Bible. (laughs) The inhabitants will not say I am sick. Hallelujah. (laughs) Say, Lord, that's me. (laughs) Now, regarding purpose very quickly. And I'm just giving you a few scriptures because you got to meditate on this stuff. 3 John 2 says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and what? Be in health. Even as your soul prospers, God wants you to be in health. All right? That's it. So, and then again, um, it says in Psalm 67, verse 2, that God wants his healing, power, and grace, and goodness to be made known all over the world. People don't know that God is good and that God is a healer. Well, God wants it to be known. All right? That's part of his purpose. First Corinthians 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of the living God? That you are the temple of God. And that if anything defiles that temple, God says I'll destroy it. Anything or anyone. In other words, then this body is the temple of the living God. He is to be glorified in it. Now some sickness is trying to rise up to, 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 to damage or to defile his temple. God said, uh-uh, no, 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 no. I will destroy it. But you got to believe that. But you see, that kind of stuff, man, you got to be in line with purpose. You got to be in line. But that's just purpose alone. All right. I'll come back to that a little bit later maybe. Eternal life. Let me give you some scriptures. Romans chapter 5 verse 10. First of all, it says, if while you were dead, if when you were an enemy with God, you were reconciled to God through the death of Jesus. All right? How much more? How much more? Shall you, now that you're saved and justified, how much more shall you be saved by his life? Not by his death, but by his life. Now the word saved means heal. In other words, 
Here you are, you're born again, you're a child of God, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You've got the life of God in you. How much more shall not that life inside of you heal you? How much more? If he did that by his death, how much more is he going to do by his life in you? Does that make sense? All right. 1 John 5.13 says, and I've read it, let me just quote it. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you might know that you have eternal life, and that you might believe in the name of the Son of God. Now listen, this is the confidence. Whatever we ask according to this, will he hear us? And if we know he hear us, we have the petitions we desire of him. But listen to the scripture. These things I've written unto you that you might know and become aware that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence. What is the confidence? That eternal life. Having the eternal life, this is the confidence. And from that place, whatever you ask, in line with his will, you know you got it. Think about that. Man, you got to meditate on that. John chapter 6, I want to read this. I'm just giving you some example of scriptures that you can meditate on. These ones that I'm giving you right now is in relationship to our life. John chapter 6, verse, verse 53 to 58. Jesus speaking. Jesus says, Then said Jesus to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. No, he's not talking about physically eating his body and drinking his blood as such. He's not talking cannibalism. Later on, he's going to say in verse 63, I think it is, that the words that I speak unto you, they're spirit and they're life. Okay, we're not talking about, about that in terms of eating or drinking Jesus' body and blood. No, but what is he talking about? He's talking about being consumed with Christ. Being consumed with him. Communion. Having that common, intimate union and participation. Eat ye all of it. Drink ye all of it. Be consumed. Okay. So Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. But, however, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have eternal life. And I'll raise him up at the last day. I'll raise him up if sickness try to show up. <laughs> For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me, is consumed with me, will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers that ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread shall live forever. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. And then in 2 Timothy 1 verse 10, it says, it says, about, it says that that life of Christ that is in you, let me read it. 2 Timothy 1 verse 10, I'm just going to jump straight to it. That this life of Christ that has, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, Christ in you who has abolished death and has brought Life, that's eternal life, and immortality to light through the gospel. In other words, there is an immunity to sickness and disease that becomes a reality through the gospel. What's the gospel? Through Christ being in you. Now, you got to meditate on these things to grab them. But because of Christ in you, there is an immortality and immunity 
to sickness and disease. Amen? All right. So, now righteousness. 1 Peter 2, 24, being dead to sin, that you might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. In other words, living in righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. It comes with it. I don't know about you, but I won't like to buy a car and it doesn't come with tires. You follow me? You live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Healing comes with it. Comes with it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Romans 8 verse 10. Your spirit is life, healing, wholeness. Because of what? Righteousness, that oneness. Proverbs 12 verse 28. In the pathway of righteousness, there is no death. No death. No di that dynamic, sickness and disease is a dynamic and a working of death. In a minute, we're going to be talking about our law, the spirit of life in Christ that makes you free from the law of sin and death. Righteousness delivers from death. Proverbs 11, verse 4. And as I mentioned, Proverbs 12, 28, in the pathway of righteousness, there's no death. Go read Job 33, 19 to 25. I'm going to skip that. But if you read that, you will see, you will see, um, you will see, um, so that, that even in the most extreme health situation, where somebody's just a few breaths away from death, that if the revelation of righteousness comes, God says they will be restored to the days of their youth. They're going to be restored. If flesh, and that's in Job 33, verse 19 to verse 25. You've got to read that on your own. All right, moving right along. How to keep the law of the Spirit working. This is where we need to get to. So I'm going to do this as best as I can. How do you keep the law of the Spirit working? How do you keep it working? Well, number one, you got to understand this fact. You got to understand that in your spirit, in your born-again spirit, it says in John chapter 7, verse 38, that out of your belly flows rivers of living water. There are rivers of what? Living water that comes out of your spirit. Right? Now, the thing is, you just got to keep it flowing. All right. Write this down. Check it out. But Isaiah... Ezekiel 47, verse 1 to 9. 47, verse 1 to 9. I need to speed up, but slow down. Speed up, but slow down by talking slow. But it's okay, I'll do that. All right. In Ezekiel 47, verse 1 to 9, you're going to have to read it out on your own. But it speaks about this sanctuary, this house, and you are his house. And out of it, underneath this house comes this water going to the east, to the west, and to the north, and to the south. Going to your head, going to your feet, going to your arms, going to your livers, going to your lungs. Here comes this water that comes out from underneath the house. The house is also called the sanctuary. Well, you are the sanctuary of God. Anyway, and then it goes, and then it says to, in verse 8 to 9, that wherever this water goes, this water has such healing power that if it comes in contact with some, with some, with a, a sea, and there's, there's, there's death, and there's disease there. Then, when this water comes into this area where there's sickness and disease, that water, that healing water, comes, and it will heal that situation. All right. In Revelation chapter twenty-two, verse one, verse one and four, it speaks about this river that is like clear as crystal, and this river, this river flows, and this wherever this river flows. It brings healing. At the side of this river are these trees that are for the healing of the nations. 
And it says, and it comes out from where? It comes out from the sanctuary of God. You are his sanctuary. Now, that's a very compressed version. But what is the point? Healing power and virtue flows out of your spirit, out of Christ inside of you, the same way, remember the woman with the issue of blood that touched the hem of Jesus' garment? Healing virtue flowed out of him. The difference is you don't have to touch the hem of his garment. Right? The, the difference is you have got that divine healing power and virtue flowing out of your spirit. Amen? But it must be allowed to flow. And it needs to flow continually. It must not be blocked up. In other words, you got a pipe, you got a hose, but you can't have the hose clogged up. I mean, the power, the, the top is turned on, but the hose is clogged up. So you got to make sure there's no blockages. What do you mean blockages? Doubt, unbelief. Ignorance, lack of knowledge, hard-heartedness, bitterness, condemnation, unforgiveness, lack of focus, rebellion, having to thinking wrong. Those, are, those, those blockages must be removed so that that river can flow freely. Amen? Now, you can get away with some of those blockages and be healed. You can get away with some of those blockages and be healed. You can sometimes be healed. I don't recommend it, but you can he get healed with your, with your unbelief, with your unforgiveness, with your resentment, with your bitterness, and with your lack of knowledge and your ignorance and lack of understanding and lack of focus, your mind all over. You could, especially when somebody has lay hands on you and, and you get it from the outside. You could get healed with some of those blockages, but I'll tell you this, my friend. You cannot live in divine health with those blockages. That is why when it comes to dealing with living in divine health, we, the issues of the fear of the Lord comes into the picture. Unto them that fear his name will the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. But anyway, all right, moving right along. But, so let's get some understanding now regarding the law of the spirit of life, okay? All right. All right. Romans chapter 7. I, I, I need to complete this, so bear with me. Romans chapter 7, verse 22. Okay. It says, For I delight in the law of God according to the inner man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. Law of God. Another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And it brings me to captivity to the law of sin. Which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me? I need help. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, with the mind, I serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. All right. Understand this is what's going on. You have the law of your mind. With your mind, your mind, with your mind, your spiritual mind loves God. Your mind just delights in God. Your mind wants to obey God. It wants to run with God. And so that law of your mind and the law of God are in agreement. Okay? All right. That's why it says, with the mind I serve the law of God. Okay. But then there is the law of sin. You can call it the law that works within your flesh. The law of sin fights against the law of your mind. And if you don't do the right things, the law of sin will overcome 
the law of your mind. All right? Okay? So there's the law of the mind and the law of God and the law of sin will fight against that. But then now it goes on to say in verse chapter 8, there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ who are not walking according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Why? Because the law of the spirit of life which is what we want to focus on here makes them free from this law of sin and death. All right, so bear with me. There is the law of the mind, the law of God, desiring to serve God and do God's will. Desiring to live nice and clean and pure. However, if that mind, and that should that mind got to be fed by the word of God, and it has to be fed by the word of God and keeping good company. It's thoughts, all right? Because fighting against this law of the mind is the law of sin. And whoever is better fed will win. Okay. So the law of the mind must, must, must feed on the word of God, must keep listening, like listen to good company. It cannot allow itself, but in the meantime, the law of sin might want to look at pornography. The law of sin might want to listen to garbage, might, might take time and, and, and watch a nice movie, but the movie all, is all filled with stealing and lying and fornication and this and that. Then, then what happens is, in other words, then the faculties of the mind, the faculties, your body, your ears, your eyes, if those things are the company they're keeping, if what they are feeding on is ungodly, then the law of sin will be strong. But if the law, in other words, it's not just a willpower thing. But if the law of your mind is feeding on the word of God. I mean, you're tired of reading the word of God, but you listen to a good preacher. You listen to some teaching. You have the Bible on tape. Right? In other words, you feed the law of the mind and you starve the law and you starve the flesh. And if you do, you win. Now, here comes the law of the spirit now. And the law of the spirit says now. Um, okay. The law, the law, here comes the law of the spirit. And if we can. And, and by the way. What I'm talking about here. We're talking about healing and health. Okay. But quite frankly. It applies everywhere else. It applies on lust. It applies on the, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. The pride of life. Which are the areas where sin comes from. There's nothing else. Okay? In other words, then if you feed the law, you feed the flesh by allowing those faculties to be fed with flesh stuff, then they'll dominate. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. Doesn't matter how many tongues you're praying. Doesn't matter how much you fast. So you got to starve that flesh by not yielding its members and you got to feed your mind, your mind, your mind by what it's exposed to. By feeding on the word and, and so on and so forth. All right. But anyway, we're talking here about, a, uh, 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 we're talking about healing and health. 
Now, that law of the spirit of life in Christ works in all of these areas, but we're focusing it on health. Are you with me? All right. So, and I'm heading around the corner. I can see the landing strip. It's not too far away. All right. Three keys to activate the law of life. Number one, the word of God. Number two, the presence of God. And number three, the spirit. So key number one, the word. You got to stay in the word. Directly or indirectly. What do you mean directly? This is directly. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I afraid? Psalms, Psalms number two. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Directly or indirectly. Right now you're listening to me. That's indirectly. So you got to, but you got to, you activate it by, by what? The word, by staying in the word, directly or indirectly. Colossians say, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Proverbs 4 verse 22 says, that word is health to all your flesh. It's like medicine. So that's number one. Key number two, the presence of God. You got to stay in the presence of God and you got to practice the presence of God. Stay in the presence of God. Listen to praise and worship music. Sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta just, you gotta lock yourself and don't even go any, don't, don't even go outside because the moment you leave that room and you go outside and you start talking with people and you start doing this and you start doing that and you go to the store and, and as soon as you do that, damn, that, that, that's gone. That is how it becomes a little bit more hard because then you got distracted and your day is gone. So the maximum time that you can, now it's their limitation because of you. We have responsibilities, work, this, that, and the other. But you've got to, you've got to give time to the presence of the Lord. And, and uh, there's a teaching I did on that some time ago. Stay in the presence of God and practice the presence of God. In other words, even when you're running around, have that conscious awareness. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. Now what do I do? I think I need to stop at Food Basic. Oh, I need to stop at, at um, Bulk Barn. Why? Do I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so you, you can you know, Holy Spirit remind you, yes, you need to stop at Food Basics to get this or to get that. There's living in, there's a practicing of the presence, right? Should I do this? Should I not do that? So there is that, but that's at a lower level. The higher level, obviously, is that, is that crucible. You follow me? But anyway, number two, is the presence. Number three, the spirit. What do you mean by the spirit? Number one, it has to do with praying much in the Holy Ghost. You cannot pray much in the Holy Ghost and not have the spirit of God begin to open up your understanding and cause you to, and cause your spiritual eyes to be able to see. Call on to me and I will answer you and I will what? Show you things that you knew not of, things that you couldn't capture naturally. All right. So pray much in tongues. And not only that, but the scripture says that when you pray in unknown tongues, he helps your what? Infirmities. What do you mean infirmities? Weaknesses, ignorance. But that word infirmities, we can twist it and say it means ignorance. And it means infirmities also means sickness. Does that make sense? Right? If some sickness is trying to show up and jump on your body, you don't know about it. Do you know how COVID is trying to get you? You don't know. Do you know that there's some virus? No. But when you spend time and you're praying in the Holy Ghost, he knows, and he can help you. So, and then also to exercise in the gifts of the Spirit, right? Exercise in the gifts of the Spirit, and especially in the area where you are gifted. Like, for instance, me, I'm a teacher. So what, what, how do I exercise that? 
Because it's, a nat- it's natural for me to spend a lot of time in the Word. It's natural for me to listen to this, listen to that, study this, study that. Well, that's my strength. So what should I do? Do it. Do it. Yours might be, yours might be, um, your, your, yours might be witnessing. That you just got this evangelistic stuff you want to tell everybody about Jesus? Well, spend some time and do it. You, may have a, you, might, you might have something with praise and worship and music and that's your gifting. Well, spend some time. Write some songs. Learn to play the guitar. I don't know. <laughs> but spend some time in that area. Whatever it is. All right. What, am I, what did I just say? I'm talking about the word, the presence, and the spirit. By simply doing those things and by operating in that, it will activate the law of the spirit of life. Amen? Along with whatever else. All right. Now, let me end this study. Let me end this here. The word, presence, and spirit. But in the spirit, we talk in tongues, we talk in prayer, and we are talking about your gifts. Right? The areas of your gifts in general, and specifically, because we all have various talents and gifts. But so whatever you have, use it. <laughs> right? Use it. Don't if God has given it to you for a reason, right? Work it. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3. All right, I'm finishing here. I'm finishing here. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3. Actually, I'm going to go extensively on this next week, Wednesday night, Zoom Bible study. Is next week, Wednesday night, I think. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Anyway, Philippians chapter 3, just jumping to verse 18. Verse 18 says, um, verse 18 says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now I tell you even weeping, they are enemies of the cross. So number one, don't be an enemy of the cross. In other words, don't be an enemy of the sacrifice. Embrace it. That's number one. Say embrace the sacrifice. In other words, man, oh, wonderful, glory to God. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm buried with him. I'm resurrected with him. I'm ascended with him. I'm washed by his blood. I have his name. I have his life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. His word and promise. Magnify that. Okay, embrace the cross. All right. And then look at the results, verse 20. For our citizenship, the old King James says, our conversation, the way we think, the way we believe, the way we speak, our attitudes, is in heaven. It's according to heaven. It's according to how it is in heaven. And we are looking there for who? The Savior. Savior for my soul? No. Savior for my spirit? No. That, that, that's good too. But the Savior of my body. It says in Romans chapter, Ephesians 5 verse 23 that Jesus is the Savior of your body. Your body. Remember? Remember how he says if anything defiles this temple? I'll deal with it. I'll smother it. But you got to get into that place. Okay. So, you, so here you are. You're, you're thinking, you're believing, you're speaking. is lined up with heaven. And if you can see what we talked before, that's where it's bringing you to. And then what happened? And you're looking for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform your lowly body, this stuff made out of dust, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. And we're not talking about when Jesus returns. But that he will transform it according by according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. In other words, that here is Jesus sitting on the inside of your belly. 
And because you are living this way, you're thinking, you're believing, you're speaking, is lined up with the sacrifice. You're embracing the sacrifice. And then something will come and attack you. Then Jesus is going to get up. Because don't forget, you. then he's going to get up and then he's going to exert power. Right? And he is going to subdue those things and make those things obey him. And you will be transformed. And your body will be like his glorious body. We are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. And in other words, he'll take care of that. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if Jesus is living on the inside of you and he says, hey, hey, I'll deal with it. Say, I'll deal with it. Man, that's awesome. But that's what that is talking about. Coming to such a place. And, then, and you will see, it has to do with embracing, embracing, embracing the sacrifice. But when we talk about purpose, purpose, not me. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. What is that? That's death and that's burial, isn't it? Eternal life. Eternal life is the sixth element of the sacrifice. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Righteousness. You are tied up together with Christ, one with him. That's all eight elements of the sacrifice. The word and the promises are yours. That's the eighth element. So all of that there is the sacrifice that we've been talking about. So it says you embrace this stuff. Embrace this stuff. And guess what? Embrace this stuff and let your conversation, let your citizenship, let your thinking, let your believing be lined up with heaven. Purpose, eternal life, and righteousness. And you're just looking to Jesus, you're focused. You're not being distracted by all that garbage. No, you keep looking at him and what will happen? You look, I mean, he's my savior. He is the health of my body. He is my strength. He is my redemption. That word redemption has to do with healing and wholeness. He has made unto me righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. I'm looking there. And then as, as I'm in this place of living, what happens? Something tries to come and hit you. Well, then you say, uh-uh. He sees it. And he rises up. And he exhorts power to subdue it to himself. In other words, that sickness that's trying to get in is that Jesus says, hey, hey. You're going to bow to me. Can you imagine that? I'm going to, and I'm, the sickness saying, no, I'm not. He said, I'm going to make you bow to me. At the name of Jesus, the person of Christ, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. Every sickness, every disease will bow to him. Can you see that? So that's what we're talking about. All right? Purpose, eternal life, righteousness, come into that alignment, and here comes healing, and divine health in the name of Jesus. Now, I don't know who you are, but you may have heard, you may have sat through all of this, and you have never made Jesus the Savior and Lord of your life. Well, you need to have that eternal life in you for this stuff to work. You need to have righteousness as part of your life to be in your spirit. You've got to have your life submitted to God so that you're living for the will and the purposes of God. So if you've never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, this is your invitation to do it right now. This is the Spirit of God calling you and say, do it right now. Don't postpone it. Don't postpone it. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. But right now, you have an opportunity. Right now is your moment of salvation. So just say this with me right now. Say, Jesus, I believe you've been raised up from the dead. And I want you to be my Savior. And I want you to be my Lord. So I surrender my life to you. And I ask you, Jesus, 
take my life. Do something with it. Come into my heart. I commit my life to you. And I receive you as my Savior. And I make you the Lord of my life. Now, if you pray that and you mean it with all your heart, you are born again. And on the inside of you, you now have eternal life. And you now have that free gift of righteousness. Amen? Give us a call so that we can help you to, to kind of orchestrate you know, where you go from here. And while I'm at it, let me just say this as well. We do have a Zoom Bible study on Tuesday night and on Wednesday night. Simply log on to tlmh.ca slash live. Right? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. We're done for today. Father, bless your people. Strengthen them. Empower them. Heal them. Deliver them. Show yourself strong on their behalf. May all grace abound towards them that they might have all sufficiency and abound to every good work. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Whew. <laughs> that was hard, but it was fun.